Um, Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going to jump right into it. We're not going to mess around because I know it's blowing and snowing. I'm not sure how much it's supposed to get, but I'm sure it's going to get on the roads a little bit. So I don't want to keep you here for a long time. I'm just going to read one verse uh, from Isaiah 64. But, but while you turn there, we're going to read one verse. Let me just throw something out to you. Um, obviously, th- this uh, holiday season, the Christmas season, um, it is good news that brings great joy to all the people. Amen. And the joy of the good news should shine through. But, but we know that um, there are so many people that this time of year is hard. There are families that may have lost a child at some point in the last year or two, and Christmas season is always hard at that time. Or, you know, there, there's a lot of people that struggle with depression, and, and for some reason this time of year, you know, it's a, it's a season of happiness and joy, family and, and gathering, and, and, and it's just the worst time for them. So I say that to, to say this, that the body of Christ, one of the biggest things that we can do is constantly bear one another's burdens. So I said it'd be mine. You may know somebody that's struggling, or maybe not, but make it a part of your, your prayer during this season. Pray for people that, that are struggling right now. And, and, and not only your prayer, remember, you know, it's not just about praying for people, but what we do for people also. You don't know that your everyday interactions, people are good at putting on masks and faces. They're, they're good at looking like everything's all right. And you don't know your daily interactions at your job, at at Walmart, you know, at the gas station. How much just, just a kind word, a smile, obviously taking a moment to share the good news with somebody, how that may impact their life. If, if they may have the good face that everything's all right, but they may be struggling right now in this season. So be mindful of that stuff. And, and we're just constantly, and one thing over the last year that I learned is being on the receiving end of bearing the burden that I was going through. You know, it just makes me think more about how we should be constantly aware of, of what's around us as much as possible to bear one another's burdens. That's, that's, that's one of the reasons that we're called together. We, we're called together in unity and worship and receiving the word and we're being equipped, but uh, part of the community of the body of Christ is to bear one another's burdens, but then also to take that outside of the body of Christ and be that light to the world in, in that capacity. So just want to throw that out to you. You know, I'm sure you all pray. You have a prayer life. I'm, I'm sure that if you haven't been praying those kind of things, kind of add it during this time and, and uh, let's see who we can impact and, with, with joy. Let your joy shine through uh, to others during this season. All right, Isaiah 64. Uh, do we have that? Andrew, can you throw that up there? I don't know if we got somebody on the... Just one verse here. Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, he's a major prophet that we find in scripture. And uh, the book of Isaiah is a long book. I would encourage you to read it sometime. It's, it's, it's actually full of so much stuff. But the first part of, of the book of Isaiah and the things he's talking about prophesying, it deals with, with Assyria and, and their, uh, you know, the, the, the split Judah and Israel and paying tribute to Assyria. Then the, the latter part of the uh, the prophet Isaiah, what he has is, is the Babylonian exile and the hope of return. But smattered through all of that, and, and of course it was very, every book in the Bible is written in a very specific time for a very specific people and purpose. So the majority of what Isaiah was talking about is already done, past. There's no more Assyria 
you know, forcing tribute from uh, uh, Israel and Judah, okay? Uh, the Babylonian exile is done, right? It's, it's not, but smattering through there, he's got prophecy about a coming Messiah. And, and little did he know that those prophes- prophecies would tarry some 700 years until we know as Jesus coming. But this isn't necessarily a prophecy or something that, that he's saying is going to happen. This is part of, of something he said that was a, a crying out to God in the midst of, of the Babylonian exile and his, and his want to return to prominence of the nation of Israel and, and God showing favor again and all that kind of stuff. And he says, O thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down and that the mountains might flow down at thy presence or, or be, be scattered down at thy presence. That, that heavens would rend and God, you yourself, would come down to this earth. What happened? 700 years later, some 700 years later, the heavens did rend. They did open in the form of a teenager named Mary who had been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, the virgin who was with child, and she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. Now, Isaiah, when he's wanting God to come down, the, the heavens open and come down so much that the mountains would, psh, he's got kind of a different idea how God's going to do this deal. You know, you know what I mean? He wants God to come down and bring just judgment. Let's just smash our, our captives here. And let's, let's get on with business, you know? But God always does things in the best way. And, and God's best way isn't always what we think the best way is, if you know what I mean. His ways are higher. You know, he's a lot smarter than we are. So we have an answer to this prayer of Isaiah. We call it the incarnation, God in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, one thing to notice about our belief in that Jesus came, born of a virgin, Angels rejoicing. Talking to shepherds. You got to go see this. Go check. And by the way, it's very symbolic that the angels talk to the shepherds. Shepherds are not the high class people at the time, they're the lower rung of society. See, Jesus always starts from the bottom up. Always. So he brings with him the bottom up. He doesn't exclude, no, but Jesus, if you read through his ministry, he's always on the fringes. He didn't get to Jerusalem until the end. Then when he got there, well, you know what happened when he got there. He was always doing things that would actually make him ceremonially unclean, according to the law. Touching people with sickness and disease to pray for him. He's, he's, just, always, he's just bucking the trend. He's on the fringes because he's always gathering in the least of these. Always. That's not saying he's leaving out those that have money or, or the well-to-do, but he's gathering in. He always works from the bottom up. It's interesting in Matthew chapter 25, there's three parables. Parable of the ten virgins, which we know is be ready because he can return at any moment. He, he came once, he's going to come again, right? Amen. Parable of ten virgins, be ready. He flows right into the parable of the talents. Now, while you're ready, put your hand to do with what I've given you to do. Then he flows into what? Take care of the least of these. When you see somebody naked, clothe them. 
They thirst to give them something to drink. Visit those in prison. And he didn't qualify whether or not you think they're guilty. Go visit them in prison. Right? So be ready. Do something with what he's given you to do something with. And while you're doing all this, do what I like to do, and that's and Jesus saying that. Gather in the least of these and take care of them. Because what we, we like to say, you know what? You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstrap. It's just the American dream. If you just have enough motivation and not be lazy, you'll get it done. Not everybody can do that. Right? There's those that just struggle. Maybe for seasons. Or, or maybe it's just the way things get for them. And Jesus says, take care. So Jesus, he talks to the shepherds symbolically. We're gathering up everybody. This, because remember Luke chapter 2, which is going to be our reading to lead off service this Sunday. It's, it's good news, a great joy to all the people. Good news, a great joy to all the people. And what I was getting at before I started there is to believe this, you essentially affirm the miraculous. You believe there was a young teenager that was visited by an angel and said, you're going to have a baby before you're with your husband. Overshadowed, and she's pregnant. A virgin gives birth to a child. Angels are rejoicing, talking to shepherds, right? I mean, it's, the miraculous is all through Scripture. It, it's, it, you cannot be a Christian and not affirm the miraculous. Can't do it. Impossible. Our story of Christian, Christmas is all about God breaking into our world in a miraculous way. That's what it is. See, let's go to John chapter 1 and verse number 9. Let's talk about God breaking into our world. John chapter 1 and verse number 9, we'll read down through verse 14. And it was, it was talking about John the Baptist right before us. Now it turns to Jesus. And that was the true light, meaning Jesus. With light is every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many that has received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. And he dwelt among us. And we behold his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The heavens were rent, they were opened. And God did touch foot on this earth. And his name was Jesus. You see, we, we sometimes have this idea about God that he's just so angry with us. Because we're, we're sinful. And yes, sin does separate us from God. That's why Jesus came to make a way back to the Father. But we often think that not only does that sin separate, but God actually would turn his back on us. He's angry at us. He, he, he's just, he cannot wait to judge us. He just wants to pound us. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Amen. 
the heavens were rent, and Jesus came. I heard it said this way, and I like it, that, that God came and just got right in the middle of the dumpster of humanity. He came and got in our mess. He came and got right in the middle of our mess because he loves us. Is he happy with sin? No. Is judgment going to come? Yes. But he wants to do something about it. It wasn't like when, when man fell in sin. I mean, Genesis chapter 3, that could have been the end of the show. Oh, really? You guys are going to disobey me? Just the two of you? I mean, we only have one rule. Don't eat from the tree. You can't even do that. Well, just forget this thing. I'm, I'm just done. Psh, he could have wiped it out right there. He could have started over. Or he could have said, forget this. He, he doesn't need us. You understand that? He does not need us. But we find then from the fall of man. Bible right here. Genesis chapter 3. You can, you can put your fingers all around the New Testament right there. From the fall of man up until Jesus comes. That's what this whole thing is getting to. There's all sorts of stories, all things, things happening, lots of things you can preach out of in there, you know. But this entire thing is getting to God has come. And he's with us. And he joined us in the dumpster of our humanity because he wants to save us from our sins. Not just forgive us, but save us from our sins. Elevate us up out of our sins and set us free. Amen. That's what he came to do. I'm glad God, God got in the middle of my mess. Amen. Anybody with me on that? I know I wasn't there when he actually came, came physically. And by the way, let me just say this. Um, we are not saved by theories or, or just some, some philosophical way. We believe in the actual event that Jesus Christ was born. We believe and we affirm that he is actually born of a virgin because we believe in the miraculous. We believe and affirm the life of ministry that he had, the miracles and all the things that he did. We affirm the crucifixion and then the resurrection. We affirm this. We believe actual, true events. And sometimes because we hear the story so much, it kind of turns into a story only in, in the way we think about it. And what happens a lot of times when it happens is we start to try to make excuse for the miraculous. Well, maybe there's some explanations why this happened or you know, I believe that Jesus came, but I'm not sure about some of this. And in the turn, we start to disassociate the miraculous because, well, it's just a story. Like you read about knights fighting dragons or, you know what I'm saying? It's a story. These are actual events. Which should make you wake up because if he actually came one time, he's actually going to come again. Amen. Amen. He, he is going to come again. And like the first parable of Matthew 25, be ready. He's going to come again. But all the Old Testament, so the fall of man, everything that's happening is leading up to the climax of the story. Jesus has come. God has come to reclaim his creation. He made it. We messed it up, but he didn't give up on it. He took responsibility enough to die on a cross for it. He's come to reclaim his creation. And the wonderful thing about it is we're part of it. He came to fix our mess. 
to be the way, the truth, and the life. To bring us back to the Father in, in full and right relationship. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. The Word became flesh, and it's the greatest wonder of all. Don't let, whether it's the stories, Christmas season itself, don't let it become cliche. Because you lose the wonder of it. I'm a big, big, big proponent of constantly recapturing the wonder of God and who he is. And, and to the point that, listen, if you think you can contain God in your own mind and understand everything, you, you've lost the wonder of God. You cannot contain him. It's like trying to shove it, the ocean into a Coke can. It don't work. And you think you got it, but you don't got it. We've got to recapture the wonder of who God is and what he's about. And to me, the starting point of the wonder of who God is is creation itself, but then it leads to this. The most wonderful thing of all, God in flesh. That he loved us so much, he, he, he would come down. He decided to come as a person. He didn't have to do this. Philippians chapter 2. Can, can you throw that up there, Andrew, so I don't have to turn there? Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verse number 5. Let's be, be mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself with no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made into the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, and, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you notice something when you read, read the Gospels is, those that knew Jesus, they had a big problem with his divinity. Really? He's the carpenter's son. Who does he think he is? Now that we're at our place in history and have scriptures, we have a problem with his humanity. We have a problem with that he was, it's a great paradox of the Christian faith. Fully God, but also fully man. Same temptation, same struggles in life, face the same things we do, right? And sometimes we have a problem computing that thing because, well, we, we know he's the son of God. We know he's God, second person of the Trinity, right? But he humbled himself and took on human flesh so he could set foot on this earth and get in the middle of our mess to save us. To absolutely save us, set us free, to elevate us out of the mess that we made and show us a new way to live this life. You can say, you can say, because we messed it up, but a new way to be human. You know, we, we got to get this right. You know, he's shown us the way. This means something for us as believers. And there's a certain way that we have to view our place in the world. But let me, let me show you something first, though. Uh, Andrew, give me 1 John chapter 2. 
I want to make a point real quick because I think um, there's a segment that we can find in the body of Christ, and you often find it, that have a mentality um, that, that I, I think takes away from our, what we should be doing in this world. So 1 John chapter 2, verse number 5, I believe. Yeah, let me see. That's not right. Oh, 15. Okay, go to 15. I'm sorry. Okay, here it goes. It says, there's John writing. Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, is this the same John that wrote John 3.16? For God loved the world. They, okay, now what's going on here? What John is talking about is sin itself. What we have become because of our, our fallenness. Uh, maybe there's systemic sin. He's saying don't love those things. Don't love what's wrong with the world. So you're attracted to it and fall back into it and keep it a part of your life. But you know, God loved the world and we're supposed to love the world, but we're not supposed to love the sinful things of the world. That's what this is about. And we, we find uh, maybe, maybe segments of the body of Christ have a tendency to be judgmental. They're, they're kind of thinking, okay, get me out of here so this scorched earth policy so God can just wipe this place out and they can get what they deserve. I want to get out of here so God can just bring judgment and pound this place. It's not what John is talking about. If that's what God wanted to do, he would have never came in flesh to get in the middle of our mess. And when Jesus was here, he didn't make excuse for sin. I mean, remember the woman caught in adultery? He didn't condemn her. The religious leaders, he took care of them. Last thing he says, now go, sin no more. He got in the middle of her mess and showed her the way. But he loved her. He wasn't hoping that God the Father would separate. Okay, I'm going to smash this girl so you can't love this because it's in the world. Here's a lesson I learned in the last year. I found myself not really in a hurry to get out of here. I know it's, I know it's better to be with the Lord, Paul writes, right? And I know when Jesus returns and, and makes all things new and there's a resurrection, it'll be much better than what we have now. But I'm not in a hurry to get out of here. I find a lot of good things in this world. Right? A lot of good things here. You know why? Because God is already in the process of making all things new. He's already doing it. And our place in the world and what I was getting to is this. You can be a part of it. See, the kingdom was brought when Jesus came. And although we're waiting for the finality of the return of Christ and he's going to come again, he's going to make all things new, there's going to be the resurrection, he's going to perfect things, and, and now we're with this uh, eternal life that we have with him and the wonders of what that will be about, that's all wonderful. But the process of being made new started already. And we're catching it in glimpses and, 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 and we're receiving some of it. It's, it's not there yet, but we're in the process right now. So the challenge is our place in this world, while we're ready like the parable of the ten virgins, and while we're doing what, what God has given us, putting our hands to, and while we're taking care of the least of these, live incarnationally like Jesus did. Because he's not here in body anymore, but we are. And as believers, 
It is not our job to hate the world and hope God scorches the thing so we can get out of here. It's our job to help Jesus get in the middle of the mess because the good news of great joy is still being proclaimed in the world today. Amen. Amen. We, we get so worried sometimes. And by the way, this is not, not an unbelieving world's problem. It's our problem if we're so worried about falling in sin that we have to stay so far away that we can't bring the good news to them. Amen. That's not their fault. We need to get stronger in our faith and our belief in, in, in how we stand in the things that we believe. Don't be scared of the mess. Amen. You're supposed to speak to it. We read in, in John, the light has come into the world, right? Well, who did Jesus say is the light of the world now? You're the light of the world. You're the city on a hill. You're, you're the lamp that shouldn't be put under a bowl. Because it could be time, I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to send you the comfort, the helper. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. But you're still here, and the world still has mess. It's not our job to get away from it. It's our job to get in the middle of it. Hate the sin. Don't, don't love the sin. Don't be drawn to it. But speak to it. Bring life. That's what Jesus did. Bring life. So we have, uh, by the way, let me just say this. God making all things new, it's happening inside of you, is it not? Amen. A new creation. You're working that whole thing out. So we think, again, sometimes in terms of, of, of sin and forgiveness, we think about it sometimes very in a harsh way. Do you know what God is doing inside of you is something very beautiful and wonderful it is as miraculous as anything else that he can do in your life. We sometimes attribute the miraculous only to what we see in signs and wonders around us, and that is. But the greatest miracle is your salvation. Amen. Do you realize it's miraculous for the fruit of the spirit of joy to grow in your life? That's miraculous. You know that? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the spirit of love that grows in your life, that is Miraculous. See, God is doing all things new in you. And as you're growing in all things new in me, then you have an opportunity then to be a part of all things new around you. That's our place in this world right now. That's what the message of, of the birth of Jesus says. He came feet on earth in human flesh to get in the middle of the mess. Now he's gone and he leaves the task to us. Amen? He's doing something wonderful in you. I, I, could, I could have you right now and say, I, hopefully we could do this right now and say, tell your neighbor something wonderful that God is doing in you. And I hope you have something to say. And if you have something to say, then you have a story to tell. You have something to speak to the mess of this world. People are looking for hope. And it's not going to be fixed in any of the conventional ways that man has, man has tried since the fall of man. Creating a right society because of a right government, it's not going to happen. Acquiring finances enough to, to be comfortable, that's not going to take care of it. Finding the right relationship in a spouse, that's great, but that's not the total answer. Having a good group of friends to hang out with and be, well, okay, that's wonderful too. That, that's a good thing in this world, but that's not the answer. The hope is in the good news of great joy. 
That's for all the people, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So he's doing something wonderful on you. That's the story you tell. You know what's wonderful about that? Let me borrow your Bible again. You do not have to be a great theologian of the Bible to share the good news. You don't have to be the Bible answer man. And have all the, by the way, people that think they have answers to everything, they scare me anyways. Because <laughs> they really don't. You don't have to be the Bible answer man. You don't, by the way, you don't have to defend God. He's, he's, no. he's a big boy. No. You just have to share your story. That's how the good news goes into the world. You may not know the ins and outs of, of, of theology of Scripture, but they can't doubt your story. True. Man, I was saved from this, and God changed this in me, and God, man, he did this, and this attitude in me changed. And you wouldn't believe I used to be a jerk, but, man, I'm a loving person now, and, and all this different stuff. Amen. They can't doubt your story. We take the good news to the world. Amen. So you live incarnationally. If you write that word in, in your incarnationally, you put that, it'll say misspelling. It puts the red line under it. I'm making a word up, incarnationally. <laughs> so we live in the light of Emmanuel, God with us, and what that meant. And we also live in the light of the resurrection. Because the resurrection is symbolic of God making all things new. And it's already started. He's going to make it final again, but it's already started. So incarnationally, in other words, Jesus was present. You have to be present. You have to engage. You can't be distant. You can't hide behind the church door and just shout at them and get saved and shut the door because you're scared. You see what I mean? So we live incarnationally, feet on the ground, present, and we live in light of the resurrection. God's making all things new, and that's the hope that we bring. So we see a fallen world. We're here. But God loves it. God loves it. And by, by the way, you can never reach what you don't truly love. Because when you don't love it, you don't want nothing to do with it. You'll shut it out. And all you do is find problems with it. Maybe a certain people group, you have a problem with them. Get over it. You're supposed to love those people. Why? So the message can go. Could be social class. Could be skin color. You'd think we'd be past this stuff in our day and age. Could be political party. It could be nationality. Jesus, remember, good news and great joy to all. You know, the Israelites had a problem with this. You know why? Because based on the promises of God, they, they were the chosen people given a promised land where they could set up the temple of the dwelling place of God. And, of course, he gave them the Torah. So they're, they're, they were built around this. This is what, when they would be fully liberated, they would have all these things all again as it, as it was in the days of, of King David. And Jesus came and said, okay, yeah, you're the chosen people. This is for all the people. It's not just a promised land. It's for the whole world. And you don't got to come to this temple anymore because you can just get with me wherever you're at. And, of course, I bring this good book. It's all over the world now. 
he blows up that whole thing where we're drawing dividing lines. That's not what Jesus was about. So you may have to get over some stuff in you so you can be a, a, a light that shines to places that you were hindering before because of your whatever. Good news of great joy for all the people. I want to challenge you tonight. Be incarnational in your living. In light of the incarnation, in light of the resurrection, be hope to this world. I haven't figured it all out. I'm not perfect yet, but, but I have a story to tell. I'm on the way. I'm walking this journey. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. We'll close out tonight. Lord, we thank you that, wow, you loved us so much that you, you got in the middle of our mess. We thank you so much that you had come to reclaim your creation and you're still in that business right now. I thank you for salvation for each one of us. I pray that each day that we don't forget the magnificence of our salvation. We don't forget. That every single day we're reminded of the wonder and the joy and the miracle of what you've done for us. We don't forget. And when we do that, Lord, we just can't help but be joyful. The joy of our salvation will shine through. So I pray there's an overflow from our life. We're feet on the ground. We're present. We're engaging. We're a light to the world. That people see our light, they see our good deeds, and they, they, they in turn will praise you, our Father in heaven. So I simply pray, Lord, that, that our joy just shines through in all that we do. We can't help tell people about who you are, what you've done for us. Lord, we can count our blessings, but I pray we count them to other people. So Lord, strengthen us today. Give us wisdom. Open our eyes so we can see. I pray the voice of the Holy Spirit is clear to us in leading and direction. I pray, Lord, those signs and wonders, they flow through our lives. Lord, we just simply thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace, for what you've done for us, and I pray that we'll take it to this world. In the name of Jesus and all that we do to glorify you, Jesus.